On the phone with me right now, Corey Taylor, the lead singer of Slipknot. My friend, on hot nights like tonight, you got to hate the mask, right? Well, let's just say I don't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I have such tremendous respect for your vocals. You have such incredible range, and yet here you are on the day of a concert on the phone talking to me. How do you keep that voice in shape so that you can go on, you, you can do all these interviews and then go on stage the same night? How do you do that? Well, I mean, I, I'd hate to give away my secret, but uh, I can tell you that it's uh, it's one part cigarettes, one part coffee. And then the other part, whatever the hell else that keeps my voice together. Let's put it that way. I, I, it's, to be honest, I, I have no idea. You know, like uh, when it works, it really works. And when it doesn't, it really does not. You know, so thankfully, you know, those moments are, you know, few and far between. But, you know, I mean, it just, it just honestly, it takes knowing your body. It takes knowing your limitations. And it takes knowing how far you can push it on any given show. Has your voice ever gotten into trouble at all? Have you ever had this time where they they said, you know, you got to stop for a bit, surgery, any of that crap? No, I, luckily I've never had that. Um, when we first started, um, way back in, actually it was it was before we started because it was '98. Yeah. Um, I got I, I you know because I was getting older and everything. I, I um, developed acid reflux really really bad, and I fried my vocal cords uh, right before. Us best ninety nine. I mean, to the point where I could barely talk. Wow. So I had to do heavy, heavy, heavy vocal rest um, for actually the entire Ozfest uh, run. So there was three months um, that I was not allowed to talk. All I could do was perform for an, uh, you know basically half hour to an hour a day, and and then I, I had to stop talking. So I carried around a notepad. I, uh, you know, I had to, you know, I had to learn like rudimentary sign language, basically. I mean, it was, it was crazy. But then, uh, you know, after that time, my voice got better. And uh, unfortunately for my band, I was able to talk again. So it, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they probably wish I would have, you know, stayed on vocal rest and uh, done whatever. But yeah, it, it was, it was touch and go, like at the beginning of, the, of my career. But luckily, I've been able to, you know, to, you know, start taking care of myself and, and, uh, you know, staying healthy, working out and everything. And that has really kind of contributed to just how far I can I can go vocally, you know? Wow. It's great to have you here on the phone with us right now. I want to talk about a lot of things. I want to talk about the tour that you're on right now. I want to talk about stuff that's coming up, some of the side projects that, you got, uh, that you're doing. But first, I, I, inevitably, I want to go back a little bit to that period after Paul Gray died. And at that time, yeah. you, you expressed a lot of doubt about Slipknot continuing. Now you got a new album out and are back bludgeoning things on stage again. Five years later, how do you look back on those five years? Um, I mean, it was hard, you know, especially the first four um, were really, really difficult. Uh, just because, you know, when we lost, when we lost Paul, it was such a hit. You know, like we really, I, I wasn't even sure if we could recover from that just because, you know, it felt like our heart had been pulled out, yeah. you know? So for me, um, it, 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 it took that much time to kind of figure out what made sense for us, you know? And obviously the first step was just getting back on stage and seeing if we wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, once we kind of figured that out, it became about, all right, now what do we do? Now what uh, musically 
do we want to do? Do we want to write a new album? Do we want to just kind of keep playing live? What what makes sense? And then, you know, it came from a conversation that I was having with, with Clown and a couple other people. It was just like, we need to tell the story of the, from the day that Paul died to the second that we walk into the studio. We need to tell that story and all the emotions that go into that story. And that's what really kind of got us looking towards the future was the fact that a, we were going to pay homage to our, our good friend and brother, and B, we were going to create something new for the first time without the core group, which was, is very daunting, you know, when, when, you, when you really come down to thinking about it. And luckily, I'm very proud of the fact that this band is very, very creative and very talented, and we were able to make something absolutely dark and beautiful. Well, man, you certainly can feel it in the record. I mean, it is, um, you can feel the pain in that album, and yet it seems to be a bit of a release, I think, for all of you, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely our most personal, um, and that's saying something, you know. I mean, this, you know, this band is kind of renowned for being an emotional powerhouse, and, uh, you know, but with this, with this album, you know, it was letting people a little further in and showing the pain that we had gone through, you know, it's showing the, uh, the, the weakness in the armor, really, as it were. And, uh, and I think we needed to do that to kind of, you know, to, to, to pull it back together with the fan base. You know, they were hurting just as much as we were. And the fact that we were able to kind of make this album and share it with our audience, I, I think meant a lot to them. And it's one of the reasons why it's been embraced as much as it has. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still a heavy listen for me. Um, but it's honestly, it's probably my favorite album that we've ever made. Uh, there have been a lot of lineup changes in this band. And going into recording this album and out on the road, you had to change the rhythm section of this band. What concerns did you guys have going into this next phase of the band? Um, you know, it, I mean, it really came down to finding people who uh who had the right mindset you know because anybody can play you know i mean it's, yeah. it's you know there are a million different people who can play the parts and play with an intensity you know um there's just there's some fantastically talented people in this genre but it came down to uh mentality it came down to heart it came down to passion it came down to a, like a certain way of thinking that slipknot celebrates you know where it's it's all go, no quit. You do everything you can for the fans, by the fans, of the fans. And, uh, you know, it, it took a little bit, but we, you know, we found two guys who are absolutely fantastic. They fit in very well. They're really good dudes. they got great hearts. They're very funny. They're very smart. And they play just as hard and just as crazy as we do. And they're just as nuts when it comes to making sure that, you know, the pursuit of perfection is where it's at because you'll never reach perfection but the pursuit of perfection is absolutely worth chasing if i was jay and alex and i was coming into this band it would be an intimidating thing because you're dealing with culture you're dealing with heritage and um you know simply nobody just simply joins slipknot you got to fit in with everything and you have to get the respect of your fans as well too right yeah, I mean you got to earn it, you know. And and we, you know, we definitely didn't just hand them the keys. They uh, they stepped in with a level of respect that was absolutely warranted. They respected uh, not only us, but you know the the two guys who came before them, and the fact that you know we, had, you know, the nine of us had gone to war for several years to build this and to get it to the point where 
you know, it was something that was very, very formidable. So they approached this with with every ounce of respect and the fact that they were fans to begin with, yeah. you know, I think helped the fact that they didn't feel like they were just walking into a gig for a gig's sake. They wanted this. And the fact that they wanted it that, that bad, I think, really helped us respond to them musically. And it's just gotten better and better. All right, let's talk about this new tour right now. Uh, Sean the Clown described a Slipknot concert as war on stage. How would you describe it? I, that, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. You know, every song is a battle. Every show is a war. And uh, for us, you know, we've never had that kind of ordinary mindset when it comes to the shows. You know, we've always, for us, every night is the Super Bowl. And if we don't win, then we feel like we failed. You know, I mean, that's, and that's really, and, and that shows. It shows in our performance. It shows in our passion. It shows in the, in the ways that we just absolutely beat ourselves to death physically. And, uh, and the fans see that, you know. So for me, that, I mean, that sums it up perfectly, is the fact that, you know, every night we go on stage, we're fighting a war not only for ourselves, but for the audience. And whether we win or lose, you know, we know we put every drop of, of energy and strength into it. For longtime Slipknot fans, what are you bringing new to the stage for them? They keep coming back again and again and again. You know, I, I think at this point, nothing surprises them. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we brought out a, a big neon goat head and a bunch of fire this time around at the places are packed, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, we have such an intricate stage set up yeah. um, and it's literally so many things on stage that could kill you. It's not even funny. You know, I mean, it's, it's a very dangerous tightrope walk that we're putting on. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, the staging is only part of it. Like if you don't have, if, if you don't have the songs, then you're not going to be able to pull it off, you know? And I, and I've always, I've always been the, the greatest champion of that. If you don't have the songs, people are going to come and watch for 10 seconds and they're going to bail. You know, people come, I think people come to see us now because they we have so many songs that these people want to hear they're just waiting for the night that their favorite gets played on stage, you know? So for yeah. me, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of different things that build up to the fact that Slipknot is just very, very unique, you know? Uh, I want to read you a comment uh, that was uh, made uh, in the last couple of days by Kevin Lyman, the guy behind the Mayhem Festival. Oh yeah, Warp Tour. Yeah, yeah. talking yeah. about, uh, talking about the state of metal festivals today and for the people listening, here's what he wrote. He, this is about the, that there are hard times right now drawing metal fans to festivals these days. He says that metal chased girls away because what happened was that metal aged. Metal got gray, bald, and fat. Metal was about danger. When you went to a metal show, it was dudes on stage. There was some danger in it. Uh, has he been to a Slipknot show lately? <laughs> has he been to a Lamb of God show lately? So, which, which, I, which is shocking because I, you know, we all we all know Kevin. You know, like he works with a lot of the people that we work with. So, uh, I think he's. I think his view is skewed in a, in, a, in a couple of different ways. Just for the fact that, man, there are so many different people in our audience. There are so, there are almost as many women now as there are men which I would in a million years would have like banked against when it came to a Slipknot audience, yeah. you know? Um, there, we have so many 
older fans, and yet we have so many new young fans that it's like it's almost like this whole generation is redis like is discovering Slipknot for the first time, and maybe it's because you know after Paul died, we took so much time between albums to make an album um, for for our own reasons. But there was a whole uh, there was a whole generation of of teenagers that kind of went through high school without a new Slipknot out, you know. So that was uh, that was something that you know we never thought in a million years would happen. So. I think that uh, it's it's one of those things where you know there, there's a whole younger generation that have discovered us, and I, I think I think Mr. Lyman needs to come to a Slipknot show before he posts stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, you got your own festival. The third edition of Knot Fest is coming up in California. Besides the obvious yeah. reasons, why do you do this? Um, the the Knot Fest. Yeah. Besides the you know, obvious it's, reasons, it's something that we've—it's well, I mean, it's something that we've always wanted to do. You know, like we watched. You know, we've been uh, lucky enough to be a part of a lot of different festivals, and uh, we just knew that there was there was something that we could bring to a festival show that was different. You know, like almost in the almost in the same way that Lollapalooza was started. You yeah. know, where it was a lot of great music, um, almost like a, a carnival kind of vibe. But we took it darker, you know, like we took it to that freak show level that we always do. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it was just something that we, you know, we always wanted to do. You know, I mean, this is going back to, you know, right after we did OzFest 99, we were thinking about doing something on our own, you know. So it took, it took years, it took time to earn it. It took time to, uh, to really kind of flesh out the different ideas that we had. And uh, to just to just make sure that you know we were going to curate something that was a reflection of us, and not just something that people would look at and go, "Oh, they're just trying to bank off their name." Mm. That's not at all what it is, um, it. and that's one of the reasons why we're doing it uh, in the same place and and doing it to, to the point to the point where it's not traveling yet. You know, like it, it's it's a destination for people, and that's what it should be. It should be a destination for people. I want to talk. Holly, about, we're going to need to wrap up. Okay, Corey, I want to talk about the future really quickly. Slipknot considering doing a concept album. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, mean, I always listen. No man, I always thought that every Slipknot record, in a way, was a concept record. Is that true? Um, a little bit. I mean, not to the point where there's a narrative, and not to the point where there's a story, like a real story. I mean, the Grey Chapter is probably the closest we've ever come to a concept album, um, just because it's you know it's dealing with the emotions that we all kind of went through, the roller coaster that that was. This time around, um, we're actually talking. You know, me and Clown have been talking about not only doing a concept al- a concept album, but you know, kind of trying to walk in the footsteps of Purple Rain or The Wall, where. There's a movie that goes along with it. Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things that we're talking about. Obviously, it's going to take some time to get done, but I'm starting to think about the story now and how things would break down. And, I mean, we haven't written any music, really. So, I mean, it's it's a long ways off, but the cool thing is that we're talking about the concept and talking about the idea now. So maybe down the road, once we get started, we'll be just even further ahead of the game. All right, Corey, let's leave it at that. Thank you so much for calling. Good luck tonight. No worries. All right. All right, thanks, man. Cheers, my friend.